It is happening. Our Costa Rica retreat is now available for signing up, and I will be there with you all. We are going to Costa Rica, a sacred spiritual place that is filled with not only amazing forestry and waterfalls, but also a essence that you have to be there to be able to fully understand. We have a full January 12th through 15th lineup of both Western and Eastern practices to help you not only grow on your spiritual journey, but also heal from any setbacks or trauma that has been holding you back for too long. I am so grateful and have been working very hard with Tanya, my co-host, to make sure that this is everything it needs to be for you all, including a self-defense class, Tantra, NLP, plant ceremonies, and more. So go ahead and check it out on the flyingwithair.com website where you can not only put in your $500 deposit, but you can also go ahead and take advantage of that early bird special. We have a limited amount of spots, and I definitely want to see you there. If you've ever needed spiritual coaching or you wanted to come around like-minded individuals, now is your moment. Until then, good vibes and love, and thank you for healing and growing with me today. Hi, everyone. Air here. Today I have an interesting story, and it's part of our Survivor Series. I have Amoya Pow with me, being able to share with something I actually had never heard about before, and so she wandered into my store one day. Amoya is here to talk about being a DACA immigrant. Welcome to the show, Amoya. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm pretty fantastic, and I'm really eager to learn. What about you? I am so eager to share. Just, I've been super excited about this, so I thank you for having me. So to get into a little bit of how we met, you kind of just wandered into Flying With Air one day, and you're an open book because you started sharing your story right away. Are you just always that friendly, or was there something about the energy there? Um, I would say the energy. Uh, I'm more so usually always reserved and I go into flying with air often. So um, for me, anytime that I've been into flying with air, it just feels like home. It feels safe. It feels like a very, very, very safe space. Um, so it was just, I, I don't even know. Honestly speaking, I walked in and it was just like, oh, hi, you know, and then just start talking. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. It's exactly what I want for the space and like just the people in general. And I know that you didn't realize that I was air at first. You just thought I was just somebody random, which I love even more too. So you started sharing your story with me. Can you give a little bit of background on what a DACA immigrant even is? Because most people haven't heard of it before. Okay, so um, it's DACA, and it's also known as Deferred Action as well. Um, it's pretty much when uh, normally they would say like early childhood arrivals. So I was born somewhere else. I was actually born in Jamaica, and I was brought here. Uh, I was brought here by family at a very young age, and I was brought here illegally. 
So I pretty much lived my life here from the time I was a toddler up until now. And this is pretty much my home. You know, this is all I know. And, you know, it was just, I wasn't, I didn't come here straight. I guess you could say like, you know, I didn't come here legally. So I went to school here. I lived my life here. Everything that I know is here. So that's, that's, the, that's pretty much the gist of uh, DACA. So you said you were a toddler. I'm assuming you were like two, maybe four years old at the most? Uh, two or three. Two or three. So you didn't actually decide to come here. You were just brought here. Pretty much, like yep. crossing the boat. <laughs> exactly. So whenever you say you were growing up, I was really curious right off the bat most of the time when you go to school, you have like documents or you have some type of, you know, enrollment plan. How did that mm-hmm. work out in the beginning for you? Well, everything was done by, you know, my family. So, you know, anything that had to do with enrollment and paperwork, all of that was taken care of by family. And all I knew was on the first day of school, I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then... At what age did you kind of coherently understand, hey, I'm not, I'm not legal. I I was brought here so young. Or did you just always thought that you were like born in the United States? Uh, No, I always knew I was born in Jamaica because, uh, you know, growing up what we were very cultured. So, you know, it was, it was a thing where it was like, yeah, you know, I'm born in Jamaica. It was always a proud thing. Um, I want to say I was about anywhere between 12 and 14. And, um, you know, I was in school, I was a little rebellious. So at that point, you know, once my grandmother realized, okay, she's, she's rebelling a lot. I need to start to kind of like tell her what, what's going on. So, uh, I remember her just telling me one day, she said, Hey, you know, you need to be very mindful because, you know, you're not straight in this country. You can't afford to get in trouble, you know? And at that time, it was more so like, okay, I had no idea of what it meant to not be straight. I had no idea of what it meant to, you know, be in this status. So of course I just, you know, kept going on with, you know, my normal routine. Well, when I turned 16 now, and you're doing the, all of my friends are doing things like getting their driver's license and getting summer jobs and you know those type of things of course i wanted to do those things too so i specifically remember one day coming home from school well i came home uh my friends and i after school we went to the mall and we all picked up applications from different stores in the mall that we wanted to work at so I took the applications home. I went to my grandmother and I'm like, Grandma, can you, know, can you help me fill out this job application? Like, you know, my friends and I were going to go ahead and get jobs at the mall because the mall was the place to be at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we wanted to get these jobs at the mall. And, you know, I said, OK, I need help filling out this application. And she looked at me and she she, you know, she was hesitant. And I'm looking at her like, you know, like I need help first and last name. Okay. You know, like what's my social, you know, what's this, what's that. And at that point she said, 
let me sit down with you because I don't think you understood what your situation was when I mentioned it to you the first time. So from there, she went ahead and she started to say, listen, you can't work legally in this country. So I said, you know, what does that mean? And she said, okay, you don't have a social, you don't have a social security number. You, you can't legally go get a job. So at that point I said, so how did, you know, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And then how from there, exactly. From there, that's when it kind of started to dawn on me because by this time I'm 16 years old, I'm in high school, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think about my future. Then I started thinking about my, you know, me driving, getting an ID. And when it dawned on me that I couldn't get an ID, I couldn't get a driver's license, uh, you know, couldn't get a job, a legit job. It was more so like, oh, this is what this is. And then from there, it kind of was just like, oh, this sucks. So that was that was it. That was the beginning. At that point, did you want to, like, had you gone back and forth between Jamaica and the U.S. or were you just in the U.S. the whole time? I was in the U.S. the whole time uh, because you can't, once you're here, it's not safe for you to go. Once you're here, if you leave, you don't come back. Mm-hmm. At least you, when you do come back, you have to come back the legal way. So at that time, learning what the situation was, it was even a situation where I could not travel because I didn't even have, I, didn't even, I couldn't even get an ID, a state-issued ID. So I literally, it was just me and Florida. That was it. And road trips. So you're 16 now. You have this job application in front of you. Grandma is saying you can't be here legally. What is your first thought? Do you think, okay, how do I become legal? Do you think this is my situation? Or do you even consider going to Jamaica to be legal? The thought of leaving never crossed my mind because family was here and I was always just big on family. Um, I think one of the first thoughts that came to my mind was how am I in school okay that's a logical thought actually yeah how am I in school that's what I thought actually I was like so how'd you get enrolled okay (laughs) yeah so I start you know it was just it was a rabbit hole after that I was just like okay well how did I get in school and then how did this happen and what like no you know immediately you know at first I think I was in denial And then after it really just started to hit me because of course, you know, no license, you know, you know, and then just thinking about life after school. So um, everything was here. Everything was just, it it was either Cape Coral, Florida, which is where I was living at the time that I was told, or Miami where I, you know, grew up. Mm -hmm. So walk me through your next step. So you're, you're out of denial. I'm assuming you're out of denial. It's been years at this point. Mm-hmm. But so do you work towards it or do you go and you're like, okay, how do I manage this type of lifestyle? And what I'm really curious about, as you know, this is a spirituality podcast. And this mm-hmm. is a really interesting story. Like your belief system of your identity has been really just shook up, right? Mm -hmm. So your identity and spirituality go kind of hand in hand. How does that 
go for you? Like, was your ego kind of rattled? Were you just really, like, confused? Were you angry? Were you, like, give me a good, like, mindset type of thing going on. I would say the first few years I was angry. I was bitter. I was angry. I was just, I was, I was highly pissed, honestly speaking. Um, It was more so because now I'm watching my friends grow and I felt like I couldn't grow. Like I felt like, okay, what's life after high school now? You know, Um, how do I move forward? I will say the thing that kind of did give me a little bit of hope because at that time, DACA did not exist. Okay. So that's important. Yes, exactly. So at that time, DACA did not exist. There was no, you know, I, I would, I would do a little bit of research here and there and here and, you know, see, okay, well, you know, people would say, oh, you know, well, you just have to get married. But it's like, no, that's not, it's not that easy when you've come here illegally. It's one thing if you've come here legally and just overstayed your welcome. But, excuse me, when you, when you are like, just don't exist here. I, I remember one specific time, and this was, this was a, an incident where my ego was bruised. Um, I got into an argument with someone and they looked at me and they were just like, well, you don't even exist here. Like, who are you? You know, if something happens to you, you're going to be identified as a Jane Doe. You don't exist. Hmm. And those, you know, I think what more so got to my ego was just the jabs sometimes. Um, One of the things that I did start to do though, is I always had a skill and that skill was doing hair. So from the time I was 12, I was always able to, I was braiding, you know, I was doing a lot of things that had to do with hair, skin, and nails. So um, once I got to a certain age now, I want to say it was about 14, 15, I was just braiding everybody's hair at that point. And that was kind of, you know, like my little way of like gaining a sense of, um, a sense of who I am and who I wanted to be. Um, it made me, it made me feel like I had a purpose because at that point it was like, Oh, you know, like, look at what I can do and look at, look at what, what I can do to make money at this point. Um, that actually really resonates. There's a lot of spirituality in here. There's a, I actually (laughs) want to do an entire episode with somebody one day about Mm -hmm. the different cultures and spirituality affiliated with hair. And now that you Mm -hmm. said that, that's how we bonded in the very beginning because you're like, I do braids and I do hair. And like, you were talking mm-hmm. about that. And I was like, do you do Celtic braids? Can you, can, can you give me some Scottish pagan braids going on over here? Because I miss my culture. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, sure. Um, you look exactly. <laughs> like, she's a little exactly. bit crazy. I was like, I'm point. pagan. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, listen, show me a picture and I can literally do anything on that picture. Oh. So that was, yeah. And and that was, that was when I realized, okay, so I do have a bit of a value because I think that more so what it did was it did bruise my ego, but it also, um, it stunted my growth in a way that I had no idea of what my value was at that age, you know, just not feeling like I was a no one. I, I literally felt like, okay, you're nobody, you know, like, who are you? Yeah, your name is Amoya, but really and truly, who are you? You don't even exist here. So um, 
at that point, it was more so, okay, little things that I could find that, that made me feel valuable. I find that so interesting because I coach daily for different people that are trying to find their life purpose or figure out who they are. And there's like a caveat here between you literally felt like you had no existence because you didn't have a government ID or a government social. And people that have these things already, like they have a social security or they have a birth certificate or they have a passport, something that identifies them, they still feel that. So Mm -hmm. I have to imagine, and I have to know deep in my heart that there's something way more than the titles that are given to us for our identity. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I would say like, especially especially when you have people around you, I, I will also say like support system is, is another thing too, because sometimes I had, you know, I had a good support system and then sometimes I didn't. And it was the times that I didn't that really like, you know, brought me down the most, you know, there was, I'm going to be honest, there was a lot of crying, like between the ages of like 16 till about uh, 24 you know, there was a lot of crying, there was a lot of heartache, um, you know, because of course, now, once you're hit, you're hit 20, 21, you know, grad, you know, even before those ages, when you're graduating high school, and you're thinking about what's life going to be um, after high school, I think that was the one that kind of crushed me the most, because I graduated high school and everything, great GPA, and it was just, it was like, that was it, it was just a a full stop. So, um, so when did, um, you called it DECA? Is that how you say it? I was saying the DACA, but you were calling it something else. DACA. DACA. So mm-hmm. when did DACA come into like affiliation or like start? Because you said it wasn't there when you were a teenager. Right. It came in in about 2012. I want to say it was 2012 or 2013. Okay. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember where I was at in 2013. <laughs> what country <laughs> <was I> in? <laughs> okay. So 2013, um, did you immediately find out as soon as it like came into corp- um, incorporation or was it like later and you're like, oh, there's this organization that can help me out? Well, um, it was a law that Obama passed. So from there, my grandmother, who lives and breathes for CNN and MSNBC, um, she was the one who always kept up with any like immigration updates. Um, Other families that I had would more so keep up with, you know, like the updates and stuff. And I would check periodically. But I think that at that point, it was more so I didn't have there was no belief that something could change. And then one day my grandmother called me and was just like, oh my God, Obama passed this law for for people like you. And oh my gosh, you're gonna get legal status. And it was it was a big thing. It was definitely a big thing. Oh goodness. So when did you become legal then? Uh, 20, I didn't become legal until 2015. Oh, that's recent. I don't mm-hmm. remember what year it is, but that's still recent <laughs> in my book. I'm like, you were talking about hard stops a second ago, 
and I turned 30 in about 25 days and I was like I'm feeling the same thing that this poor girl was feeling when she was a teenager about 30 like what's next (laughs) (laughs) so like I'm thinking 2015 was like yesterday at this point so okay so it feels like it though it does feel like it um I always say like it it really has not been that long since life started for me oh goodness so life I love that too because if you were born in 2015 how old are you at this point (laughs) (laughs) like are you actually legal legal (laughs) can you drink (laughs) you might not be old enough to drink so, exactly. <laughs> so how did walk me through that process? How did the filing and like, because somebody's gonna come on here and they're gonna be like you. They're they're gonna be someone that was like a toddler. They had no choice if they were coming to the U.S. or not. They just found themselves here and said that they couldn't go back home, quote unquote, or to their home country because their mm-hmm. family is here. So. How would you walk, you know, a younger Amoya through that process? Um, as far as just how the, how to file the documentation itself? Um, yes, that's definitely important. But also the spirituality, the mindset, because I don't want them to be crying for six years. And I'm sure you don't either. So, like, how can we help, you know, younger Amoyas? Uh, I would say give yourself some grace and be patient. Um, you know, understand that there's always a way out of things. You know, there's so many immigration attorneys that can always give very good legal advice. Um, be open to receiving. Um, you know, I would say don't forget to love yourself and don't you know, don't feel that you don't have worth or value just because of a status. Because in all actuality, you can go, you can go anywhere else. You see what I'm saying? You can, you can go to another country and it can be absolutely amazing. It doesn't always have to be here. Like life does not start and end here. There's so much more of the world to see that if you just, open your eyes and just kind of, you know, like I said, just be open. You'll realize that there's just, there's more out there for you. That's, that's honestly the best thing that I could say to anyone that is younger than me or in this situation. Um, and also get to know your gifts in the meantime, while you're waiting, um, to become legal, understand yourself, um, get to know your gifts, um, sharpen your skills, because in all actuality, um, I feel like a situation like this can kind of push you into entrepreneurship, honestly speaking. It'll teach you how to be your own boss if you're willing to learn. Mm. So, mm-hmm. I love that. You know what I've learned, Amoya? Mm-hmm. This, it doesn't necessarily have to do with immigration, but this has been just such an interesting episode because it's gone a lot of different places already. But... All of the great people that I've had on this podcast that are entrepreneurs have gone through some type of hardship. Now, it could be a trauma like myself. It could be a shock 
like you with the immigration status. It could be mm-hmm. that they went through a divorce or they lost a job or they lost their son and they had to go through what I would call like the fires of hell, right? Mm-hmm. And during that time, they got forced into entrepreneurship. They got forced to be creative on how to go mm-hmm. make some money. Mm-hmm. I will share just something real quick and then I'll get back into your story. But I share this so that you know that you're not alone in this aspect of like hardships and entrepreneurship is when I became public with my story and I started taking the stage and I released my books and I did the book tours and I, you know, started doing my advocacy for sexual assault and human trafficking. And I really, you know, went out on the ledge about this being a real thing. And it happens. Mm -hmm. I could not get a job at all. And to give you background even further to show you how much I deserved a job was I have um, three bachelor's degrees at that time. I mm. um, So I graduated in the top 5% in every single one of my degrees. I had internships at um, laboratories. I was running, um, I had worked three different jobs during my junior and senior year of college while getting three degrees. Um, all of them were in research or in something that was in my field. And the biggest thing is I would get into these laboratories or I would get into these institutions or these clinics. And most of my, actually all of my degrees are in science. They're like biochemistry and, you know, um, hard sciences. And the moment they found out that I was a survivor, let alone one that you could SEO on Google, They would Mm -hmm. call me into their office and they would basically say that I was a liability or I wasn't a cultural fit, these type of terms. So I got forced into being an entrepreneur. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, ever. (laughs) 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 To be a doctor for crying out loud. So uh, (laughs) I, I just found it so amazing that you said that, that it forced you basically to be creative and to go mm-hmm. make money some other way with your talent. So I find exactly. that beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. So let's go a little bit deeper. The technicalities that you were mentioning, is it just go find an immigration lawyer or is it like a process they do online or how do they do that? Well, now you can do DACA online. Um, I know at this current moment, um, they're not accepting any new applications, but everyone who has one can renew. I'm hoping that they'll start accepting new applications, you know, very, very soon um, for anyone who may not uh, have their, you know, um, not have everything situated. Uh, But before it was a paper application, like when it first came out, you would go online and you would download the application and you would pretty much fill out the application and you have to send in all the proof that you have that you've been in this country since, you know, before you were 12 or prior to, you know, 2012, um, that you went to school here. You have to show proof that you have never left this country. So everything that you everything that you submit, it has to be an exact timeline. Pretty much you need something from every year that you were here. 
Um, so that's where, you know, that's where I, I went ahead and I, I had to pull school records from daycare all the way up to graduation. But then I had to show that I never left. So any gaps like summertime, um, during those times, luckily I had, um, I had, you know, I was, I was a little, I was into sports and I was on, I was also very active in high school. So during the summer times, I was also, um, I was a flag girl. So I, you know, at times I had injuries. So Mm -hmm. I had hospital records to show that, you know, I was doing this on this day at this time. So luckily, you know, I was able to prove that I never left. Um, from there, they go ahead and they start, you know, going over your application. That takes a few months, or at least back then it took a few months. Um, and then they call you in for your fingerprinting and then they have to run your background and make sure you don't have a record and all of that stuff. It's a, it's definitely a, a process, but um, it didn't take any more than, I want to say my initial application took about six to seven months, maybe. Okay. And then, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. now that you're legal, are you? Um, is there like a certain status that you're at? Like, is there certain privileges or things like restrictions that you can't do at the moment? Yes. Um. At the moment, I cannot work for the government. So, Department of Treasury, USPS, um, FBI, those type of things. Any government job you can't get a government job um what else certain benefits you don't have access to so um i don't want to you know i don't want to i don't want to offend anyone when i say this but things like uh, like any type of government assistance you can't get so no medicaid um no medicare if needed uh no food stamps uh no you know nothing no type of government assistance everything is solely you Mm. um what else you cannot fly outside of the u.s without a travel permit and the travel permit has to be granted by the government and you have 30 days to return to the country however sometimes there are certain uh daca recipients that i have read about that got a travel permit, but then when it came time for them to renew their DACA, because we do have to renew every two years, when it did come time for them to renew their DACA, that's where it became an issue because Mm -hmm. of the fact that even though they were granted a travel permit, they still left and came back and technically you're not supposed to leave. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Can we go further there? Mm -hmm. So... I'm going to take a step back because this is very new to me as far as the logistics of this. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a very curious person. I'm a Gemini, so I have to have all the details. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So when you said that you can't leave the country, did you mean the continental U.S. or can you go to U.S. territories like the Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico or something like that? Oh, yeah. You can go to anywhere that's U.S. territory. I actually went to uh, Puerto Rico a couple years ago, and I'm planning to go again. Um, so, yes, you can go to U.S. territory, but you cannot go anywhere outside of U.S. territory. Girl, we got to get you to France one day. You feel me? <laughs> France is magical. I have a lovely gentleman that's um, 
in Paris right now. And I'm interviewing him next week on the show. And he's just like, do you want to do the show from Paris? I'm like, yes. How do I Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So you can't go, go outside of the legal, but you can go outside of the continental. Like you could go to, a, you know, Puerto Rico, like you said. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, the caveat between the travel permits, is there any difference if it's like to the country that you were born in? Or is it just any country outside the U.S.? Uh, well, at the time, because there was a time where I uh, I wanted to get a travel permit. Um, let me put it this way. There was a time where I was uh, planning on, after, after DACA, where I was planning on getting married. I was in a relationship at the time. We got engaged. Hmm. Um, we went to see an immigration attorney just for safety purposes, just to make sure that even though I'm straight, that there's nothing else I have to look out for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time he told us that, well, in your status right now, you cannot get married, but this is how you would go ahead and be able to get married. We're going to go ahead and give you, um, we're going to go ahead and fill out an application for you to get a travel permit. When they grant the travel permit, you and your fiance are going to leave. You're going to go wherever you decide to go. And then you're going to come back and then they're going to stamp your uh, passport. And that's how you will have proof of lawful entry. Because that's really the issue with anyone who has DACA. It's really, there's no proof of lawful entry. So uh, from there, he said, okay, after you, you know, after you get your proof of lawful entry, then you go ahead and you get married legally. So. That's fascinating. Okay. Mm -hmm. I learned today. I was this many years old when I learned this today. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> if I ever need to get married, I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. So before I let you go, I really want to connect back to the identity because I feel like that's the heart of our entire conversation is that you felt like you didn't have an identity, but through this process and through growing up in the United States, you've developed into a beautiful person, right? Um, I can tell just based off of the few times I've been able to interact with you, you have a beautiful soul and a beautiful heart. So thank you. During this time, did you lose your faith? Did you have to regain your faith? Like where did you find your foundation for your identity? Um, who, that's a good question. I'm going to take it easy on you guys. <laughs> um, I would say, I would say I did lose faith. There was a point in time where I, I gave up completely, where it was just like, all right, you know what? This is what the situation is. It is what it is. And whoever knows, knows. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. Um, as far as before I became, you know, before I, you know, went under DACA, and um it was it was definitely rough because you know at some point you realize no like you have to build yourself back up and I, and i feel like you know luckily i was always one of those uh one of those people that i was always very curious and i was always um i was always determined so nothing keeps me down for long like if i go through a depressive state it's only going to last for so long there's always 
one day, not too far after where I get up and I'm just like, all right, enough is enough now. I want to be happy. I'm choosing happiness today. Mm. So um, I did have that moment that happened. And I said, you know what? It's fine. You know, I, I have a skill and my skill can make me some money. So, and I think that was my biggest thing. That's really how I found my value. Like the fact that I was able to provide for myself at that point, it was like, all right, come, let me do your hair or you come, let me do your hair, you know? Um, and from there, it just, I, I kind of just grew from there. And um, I will say I did have a foundation because of the fact that I did grow up in the church. Mm. So uh, we grew up Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist. So there was always that foundation there. And I think the morals and standards and principles that was instilled in me at that time is kind of what kept me going, you know? Um, like I said, I did lose faith completely at, at one small point, but after a while it was just like, all right, you know, you, you are not your circumstance, you know, you still wake up every day, you know? Um, so let's wake up every day and let's keep going. Let's figure it out. Mm, I love that. And that's another thing mm. that I feel like a lot of people that have gone through, I'll say it again, the fires of hell have in common mm -hmm. is they get forced into these situations where they have to be creative. Like they have to become entrepreneurs, for instance, like we said earlier. But also I find that a lot of them even if they were raised in a church and um, I was raised in a couple of different denominations and then non-denominational as a Christian. And there was a core time right after my trauma and even like during my quote unquote big trauma that I was just like, how on earth could there be a God? How on earth could there be, you know, this mm -hmm. almighty creator that loved me enough to, you know, like create me but didn't love me enough to like make sure nothing happened to me like those type of you know questions those philosophical questions that we have when we're trying to figure out faith and we're trying to figure out hope I think is the biggest part and it's something that I found with spirituality if you break down what the meaning of like spirituality is or if I'm describing mm -hmm. it to somebody new like because some people be like, what is spirituality, Erin? I'm like, well, here, I have a podcast. <laughs> but before I do that and freak them out a little bit, I always tell them that it's about hope. And that is exactly what I hope that everybody gets out of this podcast. Is the idea, and I think you, you lost me for a moment here, but you're back, so we're good. But... <laughs> The idea that spirituality is just hope. It's the spirit that lives within us that even when we lose our religion or we lose our faith or we don't know what God's doing or we don't know what Jesus Christ is exactly. up to or whatever belief system you know you have, it's that <laughs> hope you. that I'm keeps us going well. and waking up that next day and saying it is what it is, but I choose to be happy. <laughs> I choose to go on. So I'm really proud of you, girl. <laughs> absolutely 
No. No. Oh, no. We have been through it, but we are here. <laughs> and we are like standing pretty tall. Um, Trust me, so you do here. now work legally. Um, did you ever get married out of I know, curiosity? Right? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> She's provided for herself. So, gentlemen. <laughs> So how do so, like, does somebody uh, get in contact so with you if they have any questions or if is, they are losing uh, hope about Ms. you know immigration status and then also if they need their hair braided um you can feel free to go ahead and DM <laughs> me ask me any question that you have um and or if not you can reach me through my other Instagram which is uh, shaped by goddess. Uh, it's a brand that I have that I'm uh, rebuilding, um, and you can reach me on either either profile. <laughs> exactly. I love it. And then <laughs> I will link that in our show notes on Flying with Air and my personal Instagram as well. Just in case they have a little trouble finding it, I'm going to point them in the right direction. <laughs> Look at her. If you have a similar situation, <laughs> um, um, I would Before say. Before I let you go, is there anything else this that you just time. really feel this led your to share period. with somebody that might um, have a similar I call situation? It the rest period now, and this is the time that you take to really and truly get to know you and start planning, because it's going to happen for you. So. Start planning what you want to do. Start planning the first thing that you're going to do, you know, when you become legal, the places that you want to go when you're able to, um, the type of rooms that you want to be in. Um, you know, I always say get dressed for the opportunity that you want, but also, you know, get your mind ready for the opportunity that you want because it's coming. So, you know, keep that mindset, you know, build your skills you know, start to really and truly get to know who you are and what your skills are and what you bring to the table, because that's what's going to set you up for success mm -hmm. when you get that opportunity. <laughs> Ooh, that hit deep. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with everybody that listens to this episode i love it i should take that advice as far as get dressed for the opportunity that you want get your mind ready exactly as show up into my for next the chapter and as are. everyone Not else that's listening that on this podcast episode you, steps into like their next the chapter you. let's get and dressed for it, it let's get our minds <laughs> ready <laughs> No problem. No problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this moment. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Amoya, and sharing your story. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to have a huge impact. And then for... <laughs> oh, so much love. So much love. Oh. For everyone else that listened in today... Please contact Amoya via her Instagram profiles, reach out with any questions, and then as always, 
thank you so much for healing and growing with me today.